Welcome back to another episode of the CSKA podcast. My name is Jared O'Leary. This week's episode was supposed to be unpacking scholarship on computational thinking in games. However, I'm going to actually push that episode back two weeks. Now, the reason why is because I'm going to read a paper that is written by Jackie Corcelli. The paper is titled Emergency Remote Teaching, colon, Challenges and Possible Solutions. The reason why I want to read this is because at the time of this recording, COVID-19 is a very real thing and is causing a lot of educators to have to try and figure out how to teach online. And Jackie provides some excellent suggestions for educators to engage in remote teaching. This article was published on April 9th, 2020, and it was published on CSTA's website. I will link to it directly in the app that you're listening to this on, as well as in the show notes. And by the way, Jackie gave me permission to read this paper, and she's actually going to be the guest that is going to appear in next week's episode. We had actually recorded that episode in late March, so this paper came out uh, about a week and a half after our interview. So I figured this would be not only timely for educators to be able to listen to this excellent advice, but to also to kind of give a warm-up for the interview next week that you'll hear with Jackie. Okay, so I'm going to read each chunk of the paper, and I will start with a quote and end with an end quote, and then provide just like a quick summary or some thoughts on what Jackie wrote. Quote, surreal. That is the only word I can think of that best defines the current situation. On March 20th, 2020, distance learning began in our district and in my home state. Connections with anyone not in our immediate household are virtual rather than real. That includes schools for us and for our students. Here in Connecticut, the coronavirus is not supposed to peak until May 2020. As I write this in early April, I am fearful of what that will look like. I often tell my students, no good decisions are based on fear. So I have a secondary worry about what the fear is doing to me, to my commitment to equity and my learning. I'm using this article to remind myself and others about how and why we are uniquely poised to work together to reinvent, and more importantly, why this is urgent for ourselves and our students. I will not talk about district-level challenges such as getting food to students, delivering laptops to students, and how to educate a system about these changes. Instead, I will focus on teacher-specific challenges and some possible solutions. I will try to make this general enough that you might be able to apply it to any system. Where possible, I will share links to tools that I have found helpful." End quote. And there are several links throughout this, as well as some citations. So I highly recommend, after you listen to this episode, or even just right now, go to the, the, to the actual article and check out the resources that are embedded throughout this particular article, which I link to in the description. Quote, challenge one, you are struggling to balance the needs of yourself, your family members, and your work. Possible solutions, first bullet point, you have to structure that time, make a schedule, and stick to it. Second bullet point. If you are finding yourself balancing a lot of online meetings, consider using Calendly, which integrates with the Google suite of tools, allowing students and or parents to see when you are free and email you with a time they would like to meet. Bullet point three. Another great tool that also integrates with Google Calendar is Doodle, which allows you to pull multiple people to find a time that works for the majority. Bullet point four. Be sure you are not leaving yourself out on your schedule. Take time to exercise, do crafts, whatever healthy habits that bring you sanity and peace of mind. Be mindful of habits that are not healthy and do not allow them to take your time and energy. Consider using an app on your phone to meditate, journal, etc. Many, such as Headspace, are making their features free for teachers. Bullet point five, touch paper once. If you read an email, respond to it immediately as often as you can. 
This way you do not need to process the email again. If you start considering planning work, finish that thought as much as is possible. If you are interrupted, jot a few notes so you can save processing time later. And the final bullet point, say no. It is okay to turn down ideas for new projects and focus on yourself and your family, end quote. Okay, so I added in obviously the first, second bullet point, etc. I'm just trying to make it so that it's easier to listen to the organization of a written paper. And as a side note, I highly recommend many of these suggestions on here. There are things that I have personally done that have helped me. Okay, so here's the next section. Quote, challenge four. You need to work out the logistics of how best to connect to students. Possible solutions. First bullet point. Our district is using Google Hangouts to manage office hours. Some teachers also use Zoom. Sub bullet point. Google Hangouts Meet is a good basic tool. They have improved the interface so students can no longer mute each other, and when you leave, students cannot stay in the room. The next sub bullet point. Zoom is also a good tool. One feature I use quite often is the breakout room. This allows you to move your students into smaller subgroups to discuss a question and then bring their group discussion back to the main room. The final sub bullet point. Discord also comes highly recommended by teachers and students. A bullet point two for challenge. Consistency is crucial. If your district can set your schedule, that is ideal. Sub bullet point. We have eight periods that meet each day. So on Mondays, Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Friday mornings, we offer office hours in half hour blocks for all classes. Each class meets twice each week. Mondays and Thursdays are periods one through four, and Tuesdays and Fridays are periods five through eight. Here's a link to our district level plan and schedule. Next sub bullet point. On Wednesdays, we meet with peers to plan and students if they need more support. Next sub bullet point. On Fridays, by 4 p.m., it is expected that the following week's lessons are released to students. Third bullet point. If you are on your own, build time to plan each day. I find that I need about three hours per day to plan for student needs. And the final bullet point. At a minimum, have something due from each student each week so you can make sure that they are doing okay and so that you have an opportunity to interact with them in some way on a weekly basis, end quote. Again, I really like these suggestions. In particular, I love any kind of web conferencing platform that allows for breakout rooms so that way kids can kind of work in subgroups and then you can kind of jump between the different breakout rooms to answer some questions and help out. One thing that I recommend for that and this was a suggestion by Kelly Powers, is that you can have somebody in the room, a student who is kind of like the essentially peer monitor. So that way they can alert you in some way, like pressing the raise the hand button or whatever, if like kids are misbehaving or whatever. Just kind of make sure that everybody is being respectful online. Okay, so here's the next challenge. Quote, challenge three, your district leadership team seems inconsistent or unsure of each week. So approaches change. Possible solutions? Remember, like you, your leadership team is figuring out how best to respond and manage while living through this pandemic. Be patient with them. In situations like this, the idea of managing up may be helpful. To manage up, you may need to get a little out of your comfort zone. Rather than complaining or saying nothing, be proactive and present an alternative solution to provide information to your manager or managers so that they might make different decisions. The current situation is very fluid, and it is possible that they are making the best decisions possible. Educate yourself. Evaluate options. And if the following three things are true, one, you see something that you are pretty certain that your manager did not see, two, you are sure it will improve the situation, and three, you and your manager have a positive relationship. 
then by all means, propose your solution in a respectful and constructive manner, end quote. So honestly, I imagine a lot of administrators or managers or whatever your higher-ups are going through right now, things are very uncertain. So depending on your relationship with those individuals, it might be welcome to provide some suggestions because this is new for everybody. And honestly, I think hearing many different perspectives can be helpful right now to try and figure out, okay, how do we all collaboratively work towards a solution that's in the best interests of not only kids, but educators, as well as the families. So here's the next section. Quote, challenge four. You want to do what you can to create interesting and engaging experiences for classes when they are online with you. Possible solutions. If you have time with your class online via a tool like Zoom or Google Hangouts Meet, managing this time is crucial. Here are some ideas. First bullet point. If you are allowed to use Zoom, use breakout rooms. Ask a question that helps students integrate their learning. This would be the same type of question you might use as an opening question to start your class in a conversation. Sub bullet point. Each room should have no more than four students. One student is responsible for sharing what happened in each group. Next sub bullet point. You should pop into these rooms randomly to take a pulse of the conversations, engage if your question is working and if students are engaged. Next sub bullet point. If students are not engaged, you can use the communication feature to rephrase your expectations before the end of time students are given. Second main bullet point, use online whiteboards and make student participation a grade. Here are a few you might try. Sub bullet point, Scrumbler is an online whiteboard where people can add sticky notes to share group thoughts. Next sub bullet point, Google Jamboard is a Google Suite tool where you can add sketches, images, or sticky notes to one common place. Third bullet point, have students create or contribute to a wakelet in real time to showcase their learning from the prior week or to show what they are excited to learn for next week. Fourth bullet point, have theme days such as bring your pet to class day, PJ day, or sunglasses day. Fifth bullet point, create an online-based game to start your class. For example, toss a coin, heads or tails, then toss the coin. If students do not get it correct, then they toggle their videos to off and so on until the winner is determined. Final main bullet point, start with a poll on Google Classroom and let students' opinion drive the direction of your class. The easiest way to poll on Classroom is the create a question option and then showcase student responses, end quote. Now, I like these suggestions for how to create an engaging online experience. One other thing that I would recommend is just search outside of just this article or this podcast itself. Listen to and watch what other teachers are doing outside of even computer science. I'm sure we can get a lot of great ideas in a, from educators in other subject areas on, okay, now that we're all doing this online thing, how do we make this work for our subject areas and for the kids and families that we work with? Okay, next section. Quote, challenge five. Many people in your district see you as their resource for how they can learn to use computing tools. This is taking a considerable amount of your time. Possible solutions? Remember, your coworkers may not be used to the idea of using their computer to interface with their students. Many coworkers might not know how a Google search might help them. That is normally my first step. If you ask coworkers to search the problem they are having, they might be surprised how they are not the first person to have the problem that they are having. When they do this, celebrate the fact that they did this Google search and then they are on their way to solving problems on their own, end quote. I totally agree with this and relate to it. As soon as anybody finds out I have any sort of understanding of technology, People come to me to solve all the problems that could easily be solved by simply searching on YouTube or Google or whatever. So finding a way to teach a person to fish rather than providing them that fish 
is highly recommended in terms of your amount of time. Okay, so the next section, quote, challenge six, even though you are only seeing students virtually, you want to use culturally responsive practices to improve student experiences and learning in your computer science class. Possible solutions. Culturally responsive teaching seeks to include students' cultural references in all aspects of learning. The Education Alliance website at Brown University highlights the following characteristics of culturally responsive teaching. One, positive perspectives on parents and families. Two, communication of high expectations. Three, learning within the context of culture. Four, student-centered instruction. Five, culturally mediated instruction. Six, reshaping the curriculum. And seven, teacher as facilitator. Project-based instruction lends itself to many of these characteristics. As computer science teachers, this is not a new idea. However, I have been working on an approach to assessing projects that honors these ideas. One approach that I am considering is to have students create their own rubrics. I would use this approach for projects in any of my three computer science courses. In APCSA, we are focused on FRQ exam prep. In APCS principles, we are focused on independent projects that will change every two weeks. And in cryptography and cybersecurity, we are covering content that would be assessed differently, but we are also working on projects related to classical cryptography and modern data breaches. If instead of telling them what I would like them to do, I ask them to own this responsibility, the resulting projects should be much more meaningful for them. However, in doing this, I want to be sure high expectations are maintained. I plan to tell them what I hope that they will learn. This will look something like this. From this project, I hope that you, one, learn something new about programming and or computer science, two, have the opportunity to be creative, three, make a choice on what to do based on personal interests or interests, four, speak with someone who matters to you about what you are learning, five, use good time management so this was a positive experience each day, six, Hand in a final product that you are proud of that has good grammar and attention to details such as punctuation and appearance. Seven, produce a final result that shows your new learning. First, I will ask students to create a plan for how they will reach these seven goals. This will be the first assignment in the project. This will give me the chance to check that they are expecting enough of themselves and that there are enough supports in place for those that need them. Then, after the project is completed, I will ask students to explain how they have reached each of these goals. In addition, I will ask them to score the extent to which they think they did so with a number from one to five. I will also score their work against their goals. This approach will allow me to focus on what each student needs and it will hone our shared focus on learning rather than particular points or vocabulary on a task-specific rubric. What I really like about this idea is that students are coming up with their own rubric so they are empowered. This means that the focus is on them rather than me. In addition, this is practical. It is physically impossible for me to individualize a rubric for each student. However, that would be the ideal. This is one way to do it. For younger students, you can change the language so it is more kid-friendly. You might even make their first project be creating a rubric." End quote. I really like the two main points of this particular section. One is that you can engage in culturally responsive pedagogy online, highly recommended, and that two, you can have kids kind of create their own rubric or assessment or criteria for what they're going to create in some kind of a project over the week so that way you don't have to do it for every single person you're working with. All right, so here's the final section of the paper. Quote, 
Challenge seven, you want to grade students, but you want to be sure those grading practices are fair. Possible solutions. I recommend using a mix of grading practices and tools and being flexible with deadlines. Remember that your students may be ill, caring for a loved one, teaching their younger siblings while a parent is at work or ill, etc. You do not know what is going on in your students' homes. Be flexible, understanding, and sensitive. If they could not attend an online session and you need to email home, be careful with your tone. Talk about how you miss seeing them and that you are wanting to check on them and know that they are okay. Remind them you are there to help and support them. Consider exempting students from work they could not or did not complete rather than assigning zeros. Some ideas for assessment are, one, projects. Ask students deep questions that require one to three weeks for them to fully produce a product. Support them with timing by having key pieces due ahead of the final product. Two, checkups. Consider using Google Forms or another online test tool and have the forms provide feedback so they know what they learned and what they still need to practice. Some tools will automatically create different forms and provide immediate feedback. And three, participation. Encourage participation in blogs or online chat environments, end quote. And under the checkups, there is a link to a resource with some more ideas. I really like the point in this final challenge is we have to think about not just the educational goals, but also what else is going on in everybody's lives right now. People are very stressed out. Things are very chaotic and uncertain. And that like general anxiety that is going on around the world is going to impact learning, productivity, etc. That's to be expected. So we as educators, facilitators, however you describe yourself, need to be compassionate right now and kind of set a model for how to communicate with others through this difficult time. One thing that I might add is that when engaging in some kind of a text-based format, perhaps include some emojis, that kind of like smiley face or winky face or things like that, just because with text, it's hard to assess tone of writing and emojis are one way that you can help out with that. If you're comfortable with putting emojis in your messages to students. And if not, just make some kind of a statement that like, hey, I'm writing this from a perspective of compassion or whatever, How you want to, however you want to phrase it. All right, so that was the article by Jackie Corcelli, and again, it was called Emergency Remote Teaching, colon, Challenges and Possible Solutions. And I linked to it in the app that you're listening to this on. I'm also going to include some links in the show notes, which you can find in your app or by visiting jaredoleary.com. That points to organizations that are kind of curating a list of CS education resources. So for example, Amazon Future Engineer has a website, the nonprofit I work for, Boot Up has a website with information, CS for All has stuff, code.org, like et cetera. There's a bunch of links that I'm going to include in the show notes, so you can find those there. I wanna thank Jackie for giving me the permission to read this article, and I hope you stay tuned in next week for the interview with Jackie, where we talk about many other topics related to CS education. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this. I hope you share it with somebody who might be able to benefit from this. If not this episode, just share the actual article itself. And I hope you're all staying healthy and are having a wonderful week.